Welcome to the Practical NLP podcast with me, Andy Smith. This week we have the second half of an interview that we did about how to apply the principles or presuppositions of NLP to improve your life and work. In the first half, we explored the principle that the map is not the territory. In this interview, we look at another principle that flows naturally from that one, respect for the other person's map of the world. Among other things, we touch on the importance of establishing credibility in a business context and how if you focus too much on achieving a desired outcome from every communication, you may miss out on more open conversations where both parties learn from each other. We also talk a bit about appreciative inquiry, a method of change that focuses on doing more of what's already working rather than trying to analyze problems and the difference that can make in your life. And we talk about how to use the scaling tool from the related field of solution focus in coaching and self-improvement. Veering back to NLP again, I also throw in a tip about how to use chunking to overcome inertia. My interviewer is NLP coach Deb Johnston, and the interview was originally conducted as part of her Better Balance Greater Business Summit. Contact her at debjohnston.com.au to find out more about that. So here's the second half of the interview. I just wanted to mention one other principle of uh, NLP or one other presupposition that's worth talking about, I think, which is if we all have different maps, then if we want to communicate with somebody, particularly if we want to persuade them or influence them or get them to do something or win them around to a point of view, yeah. we have to respect their map of the world yeah. um, as much as we respect ours. So respecting someone else's map of the world or model of the world is, is also a really important thing. Yeah. If you're going to communicate them with them, you can't expect them to jump over to your map of the world straight away and just believe what you're saying just because you're saying it, if what they're saying makes no sense to them. Um, if you've ever had an argument with somebody about politics, for example, usually you're not going to win them around to, to, yeah. to your point of view. So there are ways of doing it, but it takes a while. And the only way really you're going to get somebody to change their minds, especially if they feel strongly about something. Um, if you jump straight in and you just start hitting them with like facts and your point of view and things that you think are obvious, what, you, what normally happens is you trigger a thing that psychologists call the backfire effect, where they dig their heels in and they end up believing what they originally believed in even more strongly because they've gone searching for arguments to counter what you're saying. So that's a really, really bad way to even have a discussion with somebody, let alone influence them or get them to change their minds. Um, so there is something that people can do. I can just share the steps really quickly with them if that's... Uh, got yeah. time to do that to increase their chances of successfully persuading somebody about something first thing you need to do is to put yourself in the shoes of the other person yeah um, see things from their point of view uh, become the other person in a method acting kind of way as much as you can um, I think in, in one of his movies uh, Bruce Lee says you must become your opponent yeah. Uh, so yeah. even if you're, even if you, you don't have to like them necessarily, but put yourself in their shoes, see the, see the world as they see it as much as you can from what you know about them. Um, and you'll actually get better results with this if, uh, you prepare yourself beforehand, ideally where nobody can see you and you'll see why in a minute. Um, 
So actually stand like they stand, breathe like they breathe, move like they move, talk like they talk, and, and try and think uh, how they think. And stay in character while you ask yourself this, these questions. What's important to me, i.e. the other person, about this topic? What, what, what do I value about it? What do I feel most strongly about it? Um, what's the emotional aspects? And what do I already believe about this topic? Because your, your intended audience, they're probably thinking um, in terms of what do I know to be true about this topic? To them, what they believe is the truth. Exactly. Yeah, so th this is always going to be guesswork, but you are going to increase your chances of getting useful insights about um, how the other person thinks, the closer you can get to becoming that person. And now come back to yourself, um, bring back everything that you've learned from putting yourself in their shoes, remembering that it, it is only guesswork. You still need to check your intuitions about uh, against what they actually do since really the only reliable evidence about a person is what they do, their behavior. But in the light of uh, what you've guessed about what this person thinks and how they feel, um, you can ask yourself what knowledge is assumed in order to make sense of um, the argument? What knowledge am I assuming uh, that makes my, uh, my argument or my point of view make sense to me? And does my intended audience actually have this knowledge? Am I just assuming they've got it? Mm. If they don't have it, how am I going to get this information across to them in a way that they can believe? Yeah. Um, you can, so, so you can make sure you're not missing out any uh, or, or assuming any knowledge that they don't have. Um, you can check if your message fits with your audience's belief system. What values and beliefs do you appeal to? What emotions are you aiming to evoke? Um, do, does your audience actually share these values and beliefs? Mm. And if not, how are you going to pre-frame your argument to appeal to their existing values? Because that's the only way you're going to get a hearing. Yes. Yeah. yeah? Um, Anything in your argument that seems wrong or doesn't make sense to your audience, if, if that is the case, if you find anything that doesn't make sense to them or seems wrong to them, you need to change it. You need to express it in a way that they can agree with. Are you using any jargon that's going to alienate your audience or seem like you're talking down to them? You need to change it if that's the case. So I'm a, I'm a big advocate of, um, there's a, there's a lot of specialist, uh, specialist words in NLP, for example, as there is in appreciative inquiry. Yeah. And I try not to use those when I'm talking to somebody that's never heard of it um, so that they can make sense of it. Because any bit of jargon, people tend to switch off or they think they're being talked down to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, if you're doing a pitch or a presentation in, in a business context, uh, this is really important. How credible are you as a speaker on the topic that you're talking about? How do you establish your credibility? So um, very kindly, you, you mentioned when you introduced me, you mentioned that I'm an NLP trainer and appreciative inquiry facilitator, that I've worked in various places around the world training this stuff. And hopefully that's kind of established my credibility, at least enough for people to think, oh, okay, um, this guy may be worth a listen. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
one more thing about respecting the other person's map of the world, which is, which is this. And this is a, a big step. This is moving beyond just advocacy, just trying to change the other person's point of view. It's recognizing that other people have their own truths and their own knowledge and their own uh, things that can be learned from. How are you actually going to learn from this person? What are they telling you? What can you learn from them that might enable you to update your map of the world? So you're moving beyond just having a, an outcome from the conversation. I want them to do this. I want them to sign up. I want them to vote my way. I want them to give me the sale. Uh, you're moving beyond that to um, how can I enrich my map of the world through, or how can we both enrich our maps of the world through conversation with each other? How can we learn from each other? Yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah. I, the question is, are you brave enough to admit that you can learn from someone that you disagree with? Exactly. And yeah, and that's, yeah, when, when there is a disagreement with someone um, or you do have challenges with a person, quite often they're your greatest teacher. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and if you were to ask that person who's the difficult person in this relationship, they're not going to say, oh, it's me, you know, I deliberately, yeah. <laughs> some people do revel in that role, but not many of them. Most people are going to say, oh, that, that guy or that woman, they're so, uh, they're so difficult, I can't communicate with them at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they're seeing you as the difficult person. So you can learn something from that, just put yourself in the other person's shoes and think, what do I look like to them? How do I come across to them? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's just really powerful. Andy, yeah. is, there anything, is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, about the NLP principles, um, I, yeah, I mean, I could go on about each one all day, uh, but we're actually uh, covering that in the gift that yeah. we're giving to your viewers. Um, which is my audiobook, um, Practical NLP, How to Use the Principles of NLP to uh, Improve Your Life and Work, even if you're not NLP trained. So we go through all of them in detail, and there's um, two or three little exercises that you can do, two or three little thought experiments that you can do with each one um, by yourself or um, with, with another person. Uh, so there's, there's loads in there. I don't, I don't know talk any more about that hopefully that's whetted people's appetite for that yeah um, sure you have. But, but but you mentioned appreciative inquiry before which mm. is the other thing that i do which isn't probably still isn't as widely known as nlp i mean not everyone knows about nlp yet but um even fewer people know about appreciative inquiry but i was absolutely knocked out when i mm. discovered it when i found out about it um about 10 years ago i think um, appreciative inquiry is a method of change which rather than looking at problems and analyzing the problems and looking for the causes of them and trying to solve them and getting deeper and deeper into the problem and with complex problems generally you feel worse and worse about it as you look and less and less able to come up with solutions unless it's a really simple trivial easy problem mm. in which case just fix it but with complex problems, very often the, the fix that you attempt will cause other problems somewhere else in the system or down the line. And those are the sorts of situations where everything I've tried 
hasn't worked or you know the fix I used to use is getting diminishing returns what the hell do I do now yeah and really anything involving human beings is a complex system so appreciative inquiry can be very useful um, it's just a way of looking at the world where you're looking for what's working rather than what's not working mm -hmm. and in any situation no matter how um, terrible uh, your performances or your team's performance or your company's performance there are going to be things that they're doing that are actually working mm. and if we find out what those are if we do more of them if we build on that platform if we find what conditions are in place when you are successful and put those conditions in place a bit more widely we're going to be successful more often mm. so that's the idea and also because we're looking at stuff that we like uh, stuff we've achieved, stuff we're proud of, stuff that's important to us, we feel better about it as we uh, investigate solutions, which means we can come up with better and more creative solutions. So um, yeah. the, the, if, if, you, if you think, now this is um, your audience here looking at this uh, interview, mm. if you think about some challenge that you're facing that you haven't been able to resolve, What's been the best? What do you want instead of that problem? How do you want things to be when it's sorted out completely? And what's been some of your best experiences of whatever that solution is? Because it will have happened sometimes in your, in your life, um, even if it's not happening now. And the chances are when you were more successful, when you were able to perform better, you're probably doing something a bit different than what you're doing now focusing on the problem though we tend to forget all that the problem tends to expand to fill our whole field of vision so it looks like there's nothing else there and the more we look at it the worse we feel there's a world of solutions out there and if we start looking at what's working rather than what's not working then we're going to get a better result um, yeah so so you you mentioned before about the map of the world thing everyone having a slightly different map of the world um, linking to appreciative inquiry it links in this way that appreciative inquiry originally came out of uh, rather than NLP which was really coming out of how an individual thinks and how their map of the world is although you can use it with groups appreciative inquiry was a group process it's about what happens in between people even though you can use it yourself or with coaching another person so other people will have different truths to you and we again we can learn from each other we can enrich each other and we can get ourselves as a group into uh, a better emotional state which means we're more creative more able to see the big picture and so on um, somebody sitting at home on their own thinking about perhaps you know they're setting a business up on their own um, or they're trying to solve some problem on their own they might think well how does this apply to an individual we can use um, the principles of appreciative inquiry that particularly that uh, in every situation something's working, we can use this to start feeling better about that challenge right now. Um, so if you think of some challenge that you're facing that you haven't been able to solve completely yet, on a scale of zero to 10, where zero is the worst this thing's ever been and 10 is how it's going to be when you've solved the problem completely, Whereabouts are you on that scale now? 
and somebody might say four. Um, it's four at the moment. Or there might, there might be a range, you know, it might be like four to six, depending. And my question there would be, well, if it is, if it does range from four to six, uh, what are you doing differently when it's six? What's different when it's six? rather than four because probably there's going to be something that you're doing differently which makes it a bit higher but really if it was just four let's say how have you stopped it from slipping back to three or how have you got up from three to four there'll be some things that that you're doing which have been helping you to get a better result I mean, you know, if the person said zero, it's the worst it's ever been, then uh, we're into something else altogether. And uh, we're probably going to be looking at um, getting a bit of help there, I would suspect, if it was a really bad problem. But most people, usually, they're going to they're be somewhere in between. They're going to mm -hmm. be two, three, four, something like that. Mm. Um, what have you been doing that stopped it from slipping back to three or how have you got up to three and for your next step i'm not even going to ask you what are you going to do to get it up to five i'm going to say what would it be like if it was at five what would it be like if it was like marginally better just a little improvement because quite often if you ask people in um in coaching what would things be like in an ideal world what would your perfect solution look like it might be so far away they can they can imagine it but that it seems so far away from where they are now that they think oh where do i start I, I, it's, it looks impossible to get to um some people they see their vision and they just go for it generally those people are doing pretty well and they they achieve loads most of us um often like me where do I start? So a good question to ask yourself is, okay, it's at four now, what would it be like if it was at five? So you describe to yourself how things would be if they were just slightly better, just small improvements. And as soon as you describe that, the part of your mind that thinks of um, ways of getting to things that solves problems that thinks, okay, what am I gonna do next? Yeah. We'll start thinking of ways of getting to that marginally better place. Mm. Usually that feels doable. And when you do that, you're at five. Okay, what would it be like at six? So you've made, you've made some progress. So uh, rather than thinking about what do I want to get away from all the time? Yeah. Because people are trying to motivate themselves with away from motivation. They tend to feel worse and they tend to feel stressed. It's great. Away from motivation is great for little boot up the backside to get going, but you need a bit more after that because otherwise, as soon as you get a reasonable distance away from things, you think, oh, okay, yeah, it's not so bad now. Yeah. Um, I can chill now, I can relax, yeah. Yeah, I can relax now. <laughs> and, and then their motivation goes until the next bad thing comes along, so they're always reacting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so you need a bit of towards in there as well. You need to know where you want to get to, even if you never actually get to this ideal state. Um, if you get halfway there, that's going to be 50% better than you are now. And you're going to discover loads and learn loads along the way. Yeah. And actually you might get way further than you originally wanted to get to because you see other possibilities as you get closer to it. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I, I, 
I could go on all day about appreciative inquiry. Yeah, as well, but, uh, you know, I love the scaling. I love the scaling because it makes, because when you're looking at one more step, one more step makes it more it seem more achievable i mean we we know that anything's achievable but when you're just looking at one step further it makes yep. it feel more achievable to the person looking yeah absolutely it's not so intimidating in yeah. fact if i if i have one more tip for your uh, viewers if anyone's feeling stuck about getting started on a task uh, Chances are you haven't broken it down into small enough steps. Mm -hmm. So ask yourself, what's the very smallest thing I could do mm -hmm. to move in the direction to get started? Mm -hmm. And if that still feels too big, then break it down to something even smaller than that. Uh, until it's something that's so ridiculous, you could do it right now and you just feel stupid for not doing it, so you just do it. <laughs> and then one step further forward. The chances are you might want to take another step. Overcoming inertia um, is, is one of the most important things. And the way to do it is to take tiny, tiny little steps to start with. Um, you know, uh, Tony Robbins says, take massive action. But uh, actually, you can build up to massive action by taking small little steps and getting the ball rolling. Yeah. speed you can go. Exactly. I love that because, yeah, sometimes taking mass massive action can seem intimidating. But the thing is, when you break it down into the small steps, just, just the smallest thing, what is it they right. say? The smallest changes create the biggest results. So just taking that small step starts to build the motivation so you can build up to taking massive action rather than just yeah. thinking, I've got to take massive action, I'm not going to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, take a, take a small action and then see where you are. Um, yeah. chances are you probably take another step and another one and so on yeah I love it Andy this has been a fantastic conversation um, and your free gift again it's a it's an audio is is that right it's, it's an yeah it's a it's an audio book um, sometimes I call it an audio course because there are exercises after each chapter and it just um, it describes the principles or presuppositions of NLP, um, six principles about people and how we work and six, six principles about communication with other people and about change and just some little exercises you can do in each one. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's a, an audio book. Um, can't remember how long it lasts, a couple of hours maybe to listen to it, but there's um, two or three exercises for, each principle yeah and you can get that uh on my website at nlppod.com it's out of the, the practical nlp podcast uh mm. website hence the name nlppod.com and uh you can just sign up for it and um download it for instant listening awesome that that that's a fantastic free gift thank you so so much that's really generous and and and, and to our viewers, everyone watching, I do recommend that you download that free gift because NLP changed my life. Um, absolutely changed my life. Mine so, too, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I do, I do recommend you download that free gift. So after you finish watching this video, 
click on that link and access that free gift because this it really is about implementation you know uh, it's great to have knowledge but it doesn't really become true wisdom until you implement it and and start to create change with it so i do recommend you do that andy thank you so much this has been a wonderful interview thank you so much well thank you for inviting me <laughs> I'm so glad you could join us and, and thank you everyone for tuning in for this conversation, this interview today. I trust you've gained lots and lots of insights and practical strategies that you can implement straight away to start creating change for you. Keep tuning in for upcoming interviews. I have more incredible experts all sharing tips and strategies on how you can be more productive, energized and peaceful and achieve more success talking of topics like time management, productivity, more on mindset, health and wellness, and lots more. Thank you again, Andy. Thank you. And thank you, everyone. And I'll look forward to seeing you again soon. Have the most amazing day today. Bye-bye. Bye. So that was my interview with Deb Johnston. I hope you found lots of useful stuff in there. Just a reminder that you can get the free gift she mentions, my Practical NLP audiobook, from the Practical NLP website at nlppod.com. See you next time.